Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better, and welcome to part two of this week's Clash. So, on Monday, Jane Austen's Emma got a Beverly Hills makeover in 1995's Clueless. And today, the bard goes grunge, as we're in Seattle, where the taming of the shrew finds itself a new home amongst some American high schoolers in 1999's Ten Things I Hate About You. Her sister, Kat, is something else entirely. People perceive you as somewhat tempestuous. Heinous witch is the term used most often. The only thing they have in common... I am the only girl in school who's not dating. Oh, no, you're not. Your sister doesn't date. ...is one simple rule. Okay, you can date when she does. But she's a mutant. What if she never dates? And you'll never date. Oh, I like that. We will have a winner at the end of the show, but which film will it be? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Butters. I forgot to write down a quote for the start of this episode. I'm Alex Zay. I'm Vicky I'm Chris Tilly. Hello, Katarina. Make anyone cry today? Sadly, no, but it's only 4.30. Oh, uh, right then. Uh, very quickly, um, <laughs> do please uh, subscribe to us uh, if you haven't done already. And if you would be kind enough to write a review, uh, that would be amazing. Give us a rating. But if you do write a review, there's every chance Chris Tilly will go out and find it and read it out in his alter ego, Chris Thrilly, which sounds a bit like this. Uh, this is from Lisa Frenchy, I think it says. And it's called uh, This Review Does Not Mention Tim Curry. <laughs> uh, Lisa says my favourite podcast to drown out the annoying colleagues at work talking about stuff they watch at the weekend and fill my ears with people who know what they're talking about not to mention the weird life tidbits they give us for free a lot of those in the last episode um, <laughs> oh, <come laughs> on. Uh, Vicky, Chris and Alex are the workmates you wish you had and I will always laugh at every Tim Curry reference so she does mention Tim Curry it's <laughs> got a twist wow look at that bait and switch review the review Oh, five stars. Five stars. Thanks, Lisa. Frenchie? 
I think so, yeah. All right. It's like Frenchy, but without the E. F-R-N-C-H-Y. Okay, cool. Uh, Well, thank you nonetheless. A five-star review. Brilliant. So, part two of Clueless versus 10 Things I Hate About You. Uh, These were Victoria's choices. Once again, reminders why? Because I like them. Yeah, because she likes them. So, on Monday, I got all clued up on Clueless. And today, Chris, who loves a list, is going through 10 Things I Hate About You. Chris takes on a journey. Okay, this is tricky. This is tricky. Here we go. Two guys like one girl, no guys like that girl's sister. Girl that two guys like can't date until sister that no one likes gets a date. So friend of one of the two guys asks the other guy to pay an Australian no one wants to date to date the sister no one wants to date. But the sister no one wants to date doesn't want to date the Australian no one wants to date. Then there's some indie music, some arguing, some more indie music, some kissing. They all live happily ever after. Then there's some more indie music, the end. Perfect. Freestyler. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I saw this film at the time, probably on video. Haven't seen it since. And that's about as exciting as my story gets. So when did you first see this, Vicky? Same, sort of the same story. Saw it when it came out. I've seen it maybe once or twice more after that. Um, but just loved it when it came out. But also, I mean, it was, I think it must have been the first time I'd seen Heath Ledger. Mm. Would that be right? It would be. Definitely. I was like, fucking hell, who is that? Mm-hmm. Alex. Uh, yeah, uh, watched it once. That's it. Uh, <laughs> We've all what, got this. As in, in the weeks, this is the first time you've ever seen no, it. No, sorry, this would be a rewatch. I'd seen it once before. Didn't remember anything apart from Heath Ledger singing oh. on the mm. seats, uh, the bleachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was it. That was the only bit I remembered. So it felt like a first watch for me this time, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, let's look at a bit of background to this one. I'm going to do my second synopsis now. Uh, this one, courtesy of Wikipedia. Uh, The Taming of the Shrew is a comedy by William Shakespeare believed to have been written between 1591 and 1592. The main plot depicts the courtship of Petruchio and Katharina, the headstrong, obdurate shrew. Mm. Initially, Katharina is an unwilling participant in the relationship. However, Petruchio tames her with various psychological torments such as keeping her from eating and (laughs) drinking. Yeah, have you seen... This is one Shakespeare play I have seen. And it is mad. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting to that until she becomes a desirable, compliant and obedient bride. The subplot features a competition between the suitors of Katharina's younger sister, Bianca, who is seen as the ideal woman. Uh, the question of whether the play is misogynistic has become the subject of considerable controversy, particularly among modern scholars, audiences and readers. I think it's a hard yes for me. I mean, I don't think there's much debate to be had. I don't know. Well, I mean, we, we have to bring up the age-old adage that we use on the show. Different time, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Different time. For once, I think I agree. <laughs> um, but it has been adapted a whole bunch of times. Um, as you know, Vicky, there's lots been lots of Shakespeare adaptations over, over the years. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've had uh, Taming Mrs. Shrew, um, Impossible Catherine, The Framing of the Shrew, You Made Me Love You, Kiss Me Kate, mm-hmm. Deliver Us from Eva... Featuring uh, 10 Things I Hate About You star Gabrielle Union. I mean, she's, she's been in two adaptations of this. <laughs> That's why you get to 400, because the book of Gabrielle Union. And a 1997 pornographic film called The Taming of the Screw. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, it's no Edward Penis Hands. <laughs> but we are here to talk about 10 Things I Hate About You, which was written by the powerhouse team of Karen McCullough and 
Kristen Smith. Um, and there's loads of videos of them doing Q&As and interviews talking about this film. They are brilliant. Uh, they're a brilliant writing pair. And they're really funny. They're very honest, especially, you notice, the further we get away from this film being made, the more honest they are about the production, <laughs> of which there are some interesting stories. Uh, but as Alex said on Monday, they wanted to write a teen movie and were inspired by Clueless's use of Jane Austen, um, particularly the fact that they wouldn't have to pay anyone for the story. Great. <laughs> um, so they decided to use the sister suitor plot line from Shakespeare's play. They said they found it tricky to adapt as so much of the humour is cruel and unkind. Um, but they were very happy with the structure, so much so that they, <laughs> they, they kept having to remind themselves that it's actually Shakespeare's structure rather than their own. Right? So they, kept, they kept thinking they were really clever. <laughs> like, this oh, no. is going really well. <laughs> this is writing itself. It is. Wow, that's so funny. <laughs> His structure, it really works. Um, so as they were sort of researching uh, to, to write the story, McCullough went through her diaries and found a page uh, that said 10 things I hate about Anthony, <laughs> who was a boyfriend of hers when she was a teenager. Um, and that inspired the title and some of the ideas in the film. It was the first script they ever sold. Um, it was greenlit even before they had a director. And it was originally much darker. Just on that note about the boyfriend thing, because I read that as well. And it was like, oh, I don't know about that. A boyfriend who she hated at school and she wrote this list saying 10 things I hate about Anthony. Uh, and she is, I found out, still friends with that Anthony. And there's a, she said, uh, we're still friends today. And every now and then I get a random phone call in the middle of the night saying, my nephew doesn't believe that this title is about me. Tell him. <laughs> and on the phone, I'm like, yes, I hated Anthony at high school. <laughs> um. It in terms of casting, there's loads of casting stories out there, but I'm only going to mention the ones that I could corroborate on the record. Um, Kate Hudson and Katie Holmes were nearly cast. Uh, I'm not sure which roles, mm. but they were nearly cast in the leads. And Josh Hartnett very, very nearly got the Heath Ledger role. <gasps> okay. The women said he was very close. I could kind of see Josh Hartnett yeah, doing that. Yeah, I like him. Uh, he's fine. He's no Heath Ledger. Ooh. Uh, and that's all I've got in terms of uh, background on this one. I'll just back up what Vicky said uh, about Heath Ledger being like, whoa, when you see him in this movie. Uh, I'm saying Gil Younger, the director. Yeah. He says, after the audition, Younger recalled saying to the women on the production team, ladies, I have never wanted to sleep with a man, but if I had to sleep with a man, it would be that man. Great. Cast him immediately. <laughs> So let's talk about... I mean, having said that out loud, that sounds like a lawsuit waiting to happen. It really does, yeah. Yeah, he, he, he's, he's a strange one, Gil. We'll get on to that. Um, so let's talk about movies, starting with my first section, which is called Welcome to Hogwarts. Because <laughs> what is going on with this school? Well, because it's meant to be Padua. So it's the, the you know, there is, a, they live, the prince, not princesses, are they? In Taming of the Shrew, do they not live in a castle? Uh, let me just check Wikipedia. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so it's, it's a fascinating building. It was built to look like a French chateau in uh, the late 1800s, and then they ran out of money. It was going to be a luxury hotel financed by the North Pacific Railroad Company. Really? Mm, yeah, and then the financial crash of 1893 and a fire a few years later. Right. And it wasn't going to be that luxury hotel, but then it was turned into a school. So it's right. actually a functioning school. Okay. In Washington. Yeah, it's beautiful. The, the script was originally written to be set in Portland. Uh, then they couldn't find what they wanted there and they were going to set it in L.A. But it was Gil uh, Younger who said um, it would be too close to Clueless. Yeah. We're already close to Clueless. <laughs> yeah. Let's not do that. So, yes, this is, as you say, it's a high, Stadium High School in Tacoma, Washington. 
So, yeah, it's a beautiful school. Um, it kicks off with bare naked ladies. <laughs> one it. week blaring from a car and then Cat <laughs> pulls up and Joan Jett's bad reputation is blaring <laughs> from that car. I can never <clears throat> disassociate that song from Shrek. That's true. Uh, just yeah. Bad reputation is always the fight with the guards in ah, Shrek. For me, it's it's the opening credits to Freaks and Geeks, which yeah. I've watched so many times. I hear it a lot. Yeah. It's a great tune, though. I do think the soundtrack is quite odd in this film, in Ooh. that certainly a lot of my favourite songs in it aren't from that era at all. They're all from the 80s. Jo- Joan Jett's the 80s and the party later, there's some bangers, but they're all, I feel like songs that they wouldn't play at a 90s party if you're a high school student, unless you're me, because I was a geek that, listening yeah. to old stuff. Cause it's an interesting one, cool. isn't it? We didn't mention the Clueless soundtrack on Monday's episode, but that went platinum. It was mm. a huge uh, soundtrack and this one was a big, uh, big hit as well. Yeah, I mean, there's there's tunes, there's tunes. We'll get on to... This is a better soundtrack. A band that does feature heavily in this film. Again, quite weirdly. Uh, we meet Alison Janney um, playing the world's worst guidance counsellor. <laughs> um, and already the tone's a bit strange here because it feels like she's in a spoof where some of the other characters aren't in a spoof. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, she's writing a... Um, What's she writing? A, a, a romance, a, a, a filthy novel, yeah. a filthy, a filthy, Erotic like fiction. a Mills and Boone. So this is a pre-West Wing. This, uh, this yeah, came just out before. Yeah, just I before. think. It, yeah, yeah. But you know, she's so good. So I interviewed Alison Janney for um, a Spy, and uh-huh. I'd never interviewed her before, and I'd seen her in the West Wing. But she's so funny uh, in Spy and in this because she improvised that line where she's like. Cat, and to get a laugh from just saying "cat" is skillful. Yeah, um, someone throws something at a window, and she calls them "shit for brains." But you can see that that's not what she's saying. It's very clear that she's saying "motherfucker." <laughs> uh, and the the screenwriter said um, that's because you, although you're allowed one fuck in a PG thirteen, it can't be combined with a mother. Yeah, motherfucker is still viewed as a very bad word on TV. I don't think you still uh, you're allowed it. Uh, certainly not pre watershed. Am I allowed to say it on a podcast? I've I'm just said it sure. three times. I mean, not if we're hoping to get sponsored by Mumsnet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, then oh, and enter Kangaroo Boy Patrick Verona, uh, played by Heath Ledger. Um, yeah, so he he'd done a couple of films in Australia before this, including. God, I think it was called Two Hands, like uh, 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 almost like a gangster film, which had sort of got some cool notices at festivals. But this, as you said, this was the first time any of us saw her and he looks great. Mm-hmm. He's got loads of charisma. Um, we find out he's exposed himself in a cafeteria, but it's with a brat verse. But I don't know, different time. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Seems forgivable. I mean, it is forgivable because it's a brat verse because mm. you're not really exposing yourself. It's fine. And it leads into the uh, Alice and Janie joke about writing Bratwurst into her. That's the bit that hasn't aged fiction. well. Like she's kind of like perving on him a bit, and mm. that didn't that hasn't aged very well. That just feels she's very it? yeah, a little bit. Oh, I didn't. She get sort that. of looks him up and down, and she's yeah. like mm, Bratwurst, okay. and then yeah. But I don't mind it because it feels like she's a, she's not a real character. She's just, yeah. It feels a bit spoofy. It feels a bit Zuckery almost yeah. with, her, with, with her scenes. Her presence in this movie is great at the start because she's fantastic. She's bloody funny. And it's amazing that literally and she disappears. Yeah. At the halfway mark, she is gone. She never mm. reappears for the second half of this film. There are some deleted scenes, including one I think where she sleeps with... The director, Gil, wrote some scenes for himself where mm-hmm. he was getting laid. He was a teacher who was kind of horny. Great. And... Did you watch the bloopers? I did. There's one where he's half naked. That's the, is that that's the one where he, is that him getting off with Alice and Janie in the corridor? But that's a joke. 
There, there is a scene where right. he he's together with her in in an actual scene because uh-huh. uh, he's a horny teacher. But yeah, he wrote those scenes for himself. He shot those scenes for himself. They're not the best, and he cut those scenes. Right, that's uh, the most important thing, though. <laughs> cut those scenes. He didn't leave them in. Yeah, uh, I. You definitely get a sense that the screenwriters maybe didn't have the best relationship with him while they were making this film, even though they loved the film. Anyway, let's talk about the next section of the film, which I'm calling the naming of the shrew. Because we're going to meet uh, a bunch of the characters, um, kicking off with audiovisual kid Michael, played by David Crumholtz. <laughs> yes, he's great. I couldn't work out for a long time where I knew him from. He's Mr. Universe in Serenity. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, and he's giving new kid Cameron the tour. I think the tour here is actually better than in Clueless. Like, I think the uh, the introducing the gangs in any team film is one of my favourite favourite scenes, and I've tried to write it myself, and it's never it's never as funny. But this is sharper. Like the white rasters and the, the cowboys is just weird, and so it's really really. Funny. I like the cowboys. Yeah, I like the cowboys. The future NBAs, the cowboys. You said the white rafters, the jocks, and the coffee kids. Yeah, the coffee kids is weird. Though, yeah. What works, and it's you know we've talked about this um, recently. You know, voiceover and narration versus no voiceover and narration and I think here it works better than Clueless because it's all happening for real in camera there's no narration it's Mm -hmm. not sort of using that tool to back up the gags on screen and also this script is way more surreal than the Mm -hmm. script for Clueless which I personally love Mm -hmm. Um, so I mentioned Cameron he's played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt he falls in love at first sight with Bianca Stratford Um, but Alex Mack oh yeah yeah yeah, right. That's what's, weird. What's Alex Mack? Uh, Nickelodeon show that was on yeah. in the uh, no, late nineties. Okay, uh, I was a bit old for Nickelodeon in the late nineties. Never too old for Nickelodeon. Chris. Twenty twenty one. Um, um, but there's a problem because the Stratford sisters aren't allowed to date. Uh, we meet Bianca's sister Cat, um, played by Julia <laughs> Stiles, who is our shrew. Uh, people think she's a heinous bitch. <laughs> she's a mewling repalian wretch. Um, they get, they they make use of Shakespeare. Yep. Several times in this film, I quite like the way they sort of sneak it in. It doesn't feel like it's too much. Yeah. No. Um, she doesn't like the oppressive patriarchy. She kicked a dude <clears> in the <throat> balls. She loves Sylvia Plath. So basically, this is how I imagine sixteen-year-old Vicky. To have been. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was going to come off. I knew it would. But imagine me, like. You can imagine what, I mean, I'm like it now. So imagine what I was like at school. And this is why I loved her so much because she's really angry about stuff, but she kind of owns that anger. And she, she, you know, it doesn't seem too, watching it this time, I thought maybe Julie says, sometimes I think she's wooden and sometimes I think she's just like exceptionally good in this Mm. role. And it just depends like how I'm feeling. But it, like school is hard and for for girls like me and girls like her and she just completely owns that space and she doesn't care and it's like that is like catnip to me when I'm fucking however many years old watching this like um, and she doesn't have this thing where it's like you know I love she's all that but it's not going to be a makeover she doesn't have like a dramatic makeover scene and she's not like oh if I just take off my glasses and I'm suddenly hot and all the rest of it she just is like purely herself and also and hot I, well, like, yeah <laughs> but when you're watching The Taming of the Shrew because you're watching it or reading it Sorry. Now, mm. the shrill, the shrill, the shrew was the, always the hero to me because mm. you can't, you know, it's she gets a bit of like, yeah, she gets like sleep deprived and tortured in the original play. But you identify with her and then Julia Stiles is saying, well, if that makes you a shrew, then that's fine because so am I and I'm great. I that's certainly good. saw shades of you. 
in Julia Stiles in this movie. And I kind of wish I'd uh, had the same ability that Mr. Morgan does in her class of being able to go, get out. <laughs> get, get, get out try of it, this podcast. <laughs> Do you want me to go? No, I don't really want you to go. Uh, also, another similarity, bloody riot girl bands. She loves them. So do you. I did, yeah. yeah. Weren't you in one? <laughs> well, I was in a band with boys. Uh, <laughs> <gross>. <laughs> giving in to the patriarchy yeah uh, yeah because that this is because I can't remember which but one of those screenwriters loves the right girl movement and she wanted the soundtrack to be all right girl songs but yeah. it wasn't that was not permitted um, but yeah she I, I think you're right she does walk a fine line but I think I think she's ultimately really likable even when she's being a bit much <clears throat> yeah and I think Julia Stiles plays it quite well <clears throat> I think I'd I think I'd want I'd want to be friends with her. But also it works because of she the way she wouldn't want to be friends with you, Chris. Really? I mean you could do your your shtick and you might <laughs> but she'd soon <laughs> discover she'd soon discover the beating heart of an alpha male <laughs> inside and it wouldn't last. <laughs> she ends up with an alpha male. Oh yeah, she does. Yeah, but that's I'm, why I'm, it a works. Like, I'm a lot like Heath Ledger. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I used to get that's, that a lot. Yeah. I used to get that a lot. But that's why this works because he doesn't judge her for her sort of anger at the world. He respects her for that anger at the world because mm. he feels the same. Yeah, exactly. He's pretty angry with the world. Yeah. Um, we also meet Joey Donner, played by Andrew Keegan. He's more, more about Andrew a little bit later. <laughs> um, and we also get Spank Bank instead of Wank Bank. It's weird, isn't it? Which is also fine, but, but Wank doesn't translate to America. They don't use. Do they it. not Wank? No. Oh, I well, mean they do. Yeah, they, no, they do do they, it. They yeah. beat. They beat off. Mm. Okay. Well, they spank. Okay. Spank the monkey. So spank bank. Okay. But not wank. Right. Uh, Joey. Motherfucker. <laughs> Good. Just covered everything there. <laughs> Sorry, mum's there. Joey is a jerk off. Um, he's a model, but he does mostly regional stuff. <laughs> um, and he wears mandals, a term I'd learnt while listening to the commentary. I didn't know about that mandals were an actual thing. What is that? <laughs> it's it, a man sandal. Yeah. All oh, right. Do you remember that period where? Basically, they made words that were deemed inherently sort of female items mm -hmm. more masculine by okay. putting, it was like manscara or guy liner. Mm. Yes, and uh, in when for, there was a brief period where skinny jeans seemed to be getting skinnier and skinnier and skinnier, and then they brought out male leggings or meggings, <laughs> meggings, meggings that. Uh, and I'm guessing you had a pair. never. No, <laughs> that was the point where I started to fall out of love with skinny jeans. That's a lie. <laughs> Um, so Joey, Joey's going after Bianca as well. Oh, well let's not get bogged down in the in the, the plots in terms of who's after who at what point, because with yeah, my intro, case, you'll yeah. see it gets very complicated, as that's what Shakespeare does. Um, there's a scene where Michael crashes his bike. Mm. Broad physical comedy that I don't think really works. Um, it's a hell of a stunt. Mm. It is. The director added this, so this had nothing to do with the writers. Um, I think they thought that he was adding it so it would be less female-centric, is how they put it. He was a sitcom helmer, Carl Junger. That was his background. He actually says... Carl he, Jung. Carl Junger. Gil. Gil, 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 not Carl Jung. Um, <laughs> I would love to have seen his version of this. Again, you know I have such a weakness. Him and Sigmund Freud doing that leaning back-to-back -back thing, like, get him in our sitcom. I call it headspace. Oh, my God, brilliant. Wow. Who's someone commissioned this? So Gil... Um, when he got the gig, he went out and bought six how to direct books <laughs> and read them in a week. If you do that, you don't ever let that information disseminate into the world that someone then passes it on to Chris Tilly. How the, <laughs> you hide those books in a vault and you get them out at night under the duvet. Uh, but yeah, as I say, they didn't always get on the screenwriters and the director. The relationship was rocky, as, as one of the writers put it, and they reckon that was because his sitcom instincts to do a lot of physical comedy was not what they'd written. And they're quite unhappy with how some of it 
it looks, which I'll, I'll talk about as we, as we move on. Um, so so how, how it looks, how it's shot, how it's sort of paced. It's a weird one that you actually mentioned that now because I, I agree there are some strange shot choices in it. It does feel small. It feels at moments like a TV movie. Mm. And then, yeah. for example, I think one of the most memorable scenes that we talked about, Heath Ledger singing the song, as well as it being a big moment, is the fact that it is quite an iconic Open, scene yeah. and you get a scale, you Cinematic. get a sense of scale, yeah. Right, on to the next section, um, which I'm calling the rules of attraction or meet the parent. I couldn't decide, so I've said them both. Mm. Because we meet uh, the dad, the overprotective dad. You oh! fan, you're a fan of this this chap? We talked about him at length on the Pretty Woman episode. It's Larry Miller. He's a mm. freaking legend. He's the best thing in this movie. Spoiled my MVW. <laughs> Love He's great, though. He's so, so funny. He's better than Dan Hedaya in Clueless. Oh, I don't know yeah. about that. So he has uh, two rules for his daughters. Uh, the first rule is no dating till you graduate. And the second rule is no dating till you graduate. Uh, because he does not want them to be impregnated. <laughs> uh, he then comes up with another rule. Um, on the fly, Bianca can date when cat dates, which is bad parenting uh, because he's putting his daughters to war. Do you not know yeah, think, Vicky, this, is not, this yeah. is not a good thing to do to your children? As, as the only parent in the room, Victoria. Will, will I do that? When will, you, will you pitch a couple if, of, if one pitch of your the twins against if, each other? If, if one of your sons is essentially undateable like cats. I wish they're not because they're gorgeous. Would you so. make that rule? It's like the end of Clueless again. What? <laughs> <laughs> They're going to have no problems. They're going to slay it out there. That's a weird thing to say. <laughs> I don't want them to ever go anywhere, They're to be honest. They're going to crush it. <laughs> They're going to crush it. Little heartbreakers. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yo, sorry, that's awful. It's all right, I'm just swallowing vomit. <laughs> so the various boys are now on a mission to find Cat a date. Uh, all the potential candidates say no, and they settle on Patrick. Because he maybe sexy as fuck. What? Because he's sexy AF, but also because he maybe lit a state trooper on fire. He spent a year in San Quentin. He sold his liver on the black market for a new set of speakers. <laughs> he slept with a Spice Girl, and they heard he ate a live duck That's once. That's really funny. Everything but the beacon feet. That is funny. And what's really good is that at least three of those <clears> are <throat> brought back later as callbacks, yeah. which is mm. I love that because they were. I think in other scripts potentially. They would be, that's funny, and we move on. Yeah. But the fact that someone later on says to him, should you be drinking? Yes. You yes. haven't got a liver. <laughs> yeah. And he doesn't know what they're talking about. He's like, what? And the guy's like, And then when Joey, I think, goes up to him to try and get him to be part of the plan, he goes, I had duck last night. It was delicious. Yeah. <laughs> well, as you say, uh, Patrick's the guy, so they pay him, but they need a backer, someone stupid with money. So that's Joey. Uh, Patrick negotiates $50. Um, and then Patrick starts kind of stalking Kat a little bit um, so that he can figure out who she is and get a date with her. We then got a scene with the sisters um, arguing about mum's pearls, mm. which made me think she was dead at first, but then no, it seems mum left. I thought she was dead, yeah, with that scene, but she's just walked out. It's a weird scene between the sisters uh, which kind of sticks out and I f uh, it's interesting because the commentary, they do talk about it. Um, so she had a mum in, they had a mum in the original script. It was in the film. was in the film. Right. But the studio told them to cut the mum. Too many women. <laughs> um, <laughs> almost worse than that. They thought, it, they, they thought that Kat needed a reason to act like she did. Okay. And so this would give her a reason. Uh, so as the screenwriter said, it couldn't be that she's just like that. Um, 
so they complain that that, uh, that basically in Hollywood, if you have a vagina and an attitude, there's got to be an explanation. There's got to be a reason. It can't just be this is the person I am. So that was interesting. They they said that they were they were sort of forced to 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 do that and then to add the pearl scene. And they don't love that scene. They feel like it's a bit overwrought and um, just doesn't really work. Okay. So um, Cameron and Michael and even Bianca start helping Patrick uh, strategize. Uh, Bianca's investigating her sister as well. Um, she's not a lesbian because she likes Jared Leto. Mm-hmm. So she's really into the Joker, isn't she? Oh, oh yeah. Good. Mm, yeah. Heath Ledger and Jared Leto. Um, she doesn't like smokers. She wears black knickers. <laughs> she likes Thai food and feminist prose. <clears throat> and she likes angry girl music of the indie rock persuasion. <laughs> it's my kind of girl. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> you should send me at school. That's a cracking list. Do you want to know a funny fact about uh, Andrew Keegan? Um, he didn't know how to draw a cock and balls. What? <laughs> you know when he draws it on, um, on the, his face, on the yeah. face of Michael? Uh, apparently Michael, uh, David Cromholtz, had to teach him how to draw a cock and balls. How strange. Which is weird. Mm. Mm. That was it. <laughs> I just don't know how you... I, I mean... <laughs> Everyone, every have you ever drawn a cock? Of course, yeah. I have been to school, so yeah, yeah, exactly. I just don't know how you miss that that initiation of uh, drawing a cock and balls. Oh, I'm agreed, but Andrew, I'll show you. Look, look. <laughs> Andrew, Bosh. Ke- three seconds. There it is. Circumcised that one. <laughs> but Andrew Keegan, always easier to draw than circumcised. I always do it up. Ooh, oh no. yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. Do one quickly. No, because it's, it's an audio podcast. <laughs> I just want to see it. All right, we're well, going to take a break now. I'll draw, I'll draw it while we're taking a break. Put my cock and balls on Twitter. <laughs> if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And we're back with a section I'm calling Bogey Lowenstein's Party because it's Bogey Lowenstein's party. So Bogey Lowenstein's <laughs> having a, a cheese and wine party. Are you for, having a break, Dan? I'm, I, I, I still have vaccine issues. Right. Um, he's having a cheese and wine party for future MBA uh, students, uh, which the lads turn into a free beer party. Right. So now Patrick needs to persuade Kat to go with him. He goes to the skunk club. Which looks fine. It's called Club Skunk. Club Skunk. Sorry. A bar that's ninety nine percent women. Yeah, but it looks really—it's really tame. Like when they're like, "Oh, I won't, I won't be seen at Club Skunk," but it's like quite mild, and there's women there. It's interesting. Women there drinking water. It's interesting. Yeah. because I, I feel the way he delivers that line, like I can't be seen at Club Skunk. It feels like there's a story, like something has happened there. So I was kind of waiting for there to be yes. some history yeah. of him at Club Skunk. He's barred. Yeah, yeah but doesn't it, work. It wasn't. Seems cool. Seems this fine. is the scene where. So as a feminist hero. Cat, uh, she's got everything. But Heath Ledger walks into the club and he's like, Oh, yeah, God, I hear you like Bikini Kill. And she's like, Oh my God, you know, Bikini Killer. And she's so obviously being played. And I don't understand why she can't see that. She can see everything else. But all of a sudden, this boy that's been following her around is like, Yeah, I'm really into the bands that you're into. Yeah. So obvious that he's playing you. And she's like, Oh, God, you're interesting. That just sort of doesn't ring true for me, for mm. the character. Yeah. You know, I know who Bikini Killer Victoria, what's your what's your favourite Bikini Kill song? I don't know who Bikini Kill are. I know who Bikini Kill are, but I was never, you know, as far as right girls went, L7 was about the limit for, okay. for me. And was that mainly because of that, the word performance? Flipping heck, yes. As a kid, do you remember the word performance that they did? No, I don't. You heard about it? I've though. heard about it. Yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. moving on. Pretend um, We're Dead was a tune. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they're going, to, she agrees to go to the party. Uh, Dad... Isn't sure. This is the scene where Dad asks them, uh, asks Bianca to wear the belly. So fucking weird. Uh, a, a, preg- <laughs> a pregnancy suit. It's good, so it's... that she could understand the full weight of her decision. It's just good, but weird because it's like contraception is a thing. Like I wish he had another bee in his bonnet. Like, but isn't it? But that's isn't that his job though? He's a uh, obstetrician. Obst- an obstetrician. Yeah. So he delivers babies. Yeah. So I, I think the idea is it's just on his mind. Yeah. And I guess okay. he's a single dad. I mean, it's like it's over the top. Yeah. I think like, this is one of the bits that made me laugh. The belly thing. Yeah, because yeah. it's so surreal. It's such yes. a weird thing. It's it's taking reality and then adding a layer of absolute insanity to it. It yeah. works. It works yeah. for me. Um, question. There's a previous scene here where they discover um, Cat owns black underwear, which means you want to have sex. Is that a... I've always worn black underwear and I didn't know that was a signal. And is it specific to women? Why don't you ask Quora or whatever it is that you ask for all your sex related emotional responses and see what that spits out I checked Debbie hadn't written an answer <laughs> so I'm all out of info I don't think Debbie does wear black knickers well, I yeah. also think she's a, she's a financial auditor so she has to dress professionally <laughs> <laughs> so we're at Bogey's party in the castle um, he thinks Nigel's at the door with the brie <laughs> and it's actually the coordinated arrival of a shit ton of teens with beer one of them is carrying the brie though no <laughs> Oh, it's Nigel. Yeah, Nigel's rushed in in the middle of it all. Also, why do you need to bring that much beer to a party that's free beer? 
That was the whole idea of the party was That's free true. beer. True. And everyone's bringing beer. I didn't understand that. Oh, I see. Yeah. This is where the music is good from the wrong era. You've got uh, Word Up by Cameo and mm. Push It by Salt and Pepper. My God, amazing. Great song. I mean, they both get me up and dancing. Um, I've never seen you dance. I've seen you dance. Have we you danced on my birthday, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Oh, yeah. I can't remember that. that You're well. a brilliant dancer. That's, is that the same birthday where Chris forgot where he lived and tried to <laughs> get yeah. into someone else's Don't house? Don't tell everybody that. That's a fantastic story. <laughs> lost, lost my coat that night. Yeah. More important, That's all he remembers. More He's important like, thing is you trying to open someone else's front well, door. For we've 45 minutes. With Vicky it. with you and you going, this is definitely <laughs> where I live. And Vicky saying, are you sure this is where you live? I had a red door and my house has a red door. So it's not my fault. Um... So uh, Cameron flirts with Bianca, <laughs> but Bianca leaves with Joey. Then Bianca sees Joey being a douche and starts having feelings for Cameron. And Kat starts drinking because she's upset about Joey and Bianca. And Kat starts dancing to Biggie Smalls. Mm. She's amazing. Let her dance. She apparently got a role uh, from that dance, didn't yeah. she? Save the last dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Wait, I think she's quite bad at dance she, she, she goes dance. on a dance journey yeah but even at the end when she's doing the hip hop dancing yeah yeah I think she's quite bad in Save <laughs> yeah, the Last Dance whereas she's, she's alright here she's fucking awesome she looks cool here it's a really it's a well done scene I, I really like it that's tequila for you I know <laughs> love a tequila however I discovered never, we're week, never having tequila again I, listen we are so that's not true <laughs> we might have it tonight in fact however um, I did discover I, I've been uh, disseminating misinformation on this podcast on a previous episode I said tequila is the only only alcohol is a stimulant, whereas all of the alcohols are depressants, and that's why I love it. Right. It's not. It's a myth. Tequila is a depressant. Of course, of course it is. I yeah. know now. I feel worse. I went on Quora. I feel, I <laughs> and feel, Debbie said it was. I feel worse after my nights out with you than any other nights, and I'm going to say it's because of the tequila. Uh, wear that as a badge of honour. Yeah. That's great for me. Um, so Kat's I can't drunk. believe you fell for that tequila it's such a teenage thing to be like I only drink tequila because it's actually an old purse <laughs> young at heart young at heart man that's it that's it right yeah <laughs> <laughs> is that what they do is they, that what young people do definitely <laughs> so Kat hits her head and Patrick's really nice here he, he looks after her he makes sure she hasn't got a concussion they have a bit of a connection then she vomits on his shoes great uh, he takes her home and doesn't kiss her when because she tries to drunk, kiss him and that's and now she hates him with the fire of a thousand suns because he didn't kiss her when she had puke on her brain. Yeah, he should just, it's not that. He should just explain himself. He should just say, you were drunk, so I didn't, you know, I didn't go for it because shouldn't have, that's shouldn't not have cool. to explain himself. Yeah, he does say maybe should, we should do this on another occasion. Yeah. She has not brushed her teeth since her upchuck reflex. That's not why he's not kissing her. You do understand the distinction. I, I do understand, but to her that's why she must imagine, yes. she must understand that that's yeah. why. And he, he just needs to sweep her. in and be like, I am super cool for 1999 and consent was a little bit murky there. I so don't I think he needs do to. I don't think he needs to. Okay. What don't you think he needs to do? Explain himself. No. I think he did the right thing and I'm sorry, if he's got a problem with that, then that is her problem. Yeah, but at the same time, he's the one who's been chasing her and she finally has given in to his advances, as it were. And then he's like, no, which is, a, you know, it's a more, it's a really big deal for her, clearly, to do that mm. and without an actual verbal explanation. So, yeah, I think, I think she should be apologising to him the next day. Great. Wow. Next section, how I learned to stop worrying and love the prom. <laughs> Good. Um Joey wants to take Bianca, so again plays Patrick to try and get Kat to the prom. And this is where we get the song. Yeah. Um, it was originally in the script. It was I Think I Love You by the Partridge Family. Great. 
But then that was used in Scream. I think it was, was it Scream 2. It was used. Someone sings it to a girl. One of the Scream movies anyway. So they couldn't use that. They changed it to I Touch Myself by the Divinals. That's, that's a bad idea. That's uh, a great song. <laughs> it's the greatest song. Uh, but they decided it wasn't particularly romantic. And then everyone no. seems no one seems to agree on who came up with this. I know. It's weird, isn't it? Someone says it was Julia Stiles. Someone yeah. says it was Heath Ledger. Yeah, I think the director says it was him. But they ended up with, uh, I think the screenwriter said it was the director who came up with it, but they ended up with Can't Take My Eyes Off of You, which is perfect choice. Mm. Because if they had picked a contemporary pop song, I don't think this scene would be as memorable. No. Yeah. It, no. He's great in it. Uh, weirdly... Uh, this is quite a weird fact that I found out about. Uh, Kristen Smith said uh, that Ledger had his own costume ideas for the scene. He was really specific about what he wanted to wear. It had to be this certain type of dark shirt with a precise fit. Oddly, it's a kind of nondescript ensemble when you actually see it in the movie, but seeing him as the architect of the costume at 19 was really impressive. I'd argue that he knows his clothes because he dresses very well in this movie. Does he not just wear a black t-shirt? He wears, but so here's the thing. So he's got a, there's a scene where he's wearing a navy blue short sleeved shirt. Yes. And it is genuinely the perfect fit because it's very slim, but yeah. it's not too tight. So the buttons aren't opening between the buttons, the gaps aren't appearing between mm. the buttons. So I went online and uh, after watching this and I have purchased a similar blue have short you? Did you, you? Did you Google Heath Ledger 10 things to shirt? How did you find it? No, I didn't. I just, um, I did some due diligence and uh, I researched various companies, went on some, um, Debbie. went on Quora, yep, yep. And, uh, and found out what the best shirt. When you start as a financial analyst, you mm. can wear that shirt. Well, I, I won't be wearing the shirt as a financial analyst because like Debbie says, you've got to dress professionally. All oh, right, you don't mm. think, Okay. A short sleeve shirt as a financial analyst. I've no idea. So uh, it's beautifully shot, this. It's wonderfully played by Heath Ledger, and you can see why she kind of starts melting a little of bit. Of course. Um, and he gets detention for his efforts. And this, she, is, this is a bad scene. Yeah, she helps break him out by What's talking wrong? to the teacher about his penis, then showing him her I just breasts. Think, I know that he was like that. <sighs> It's really funny and whatever, but you would you wouldn't to flash a teacher is just mad. Like that is wild, and the, she's dazzling him with her wits. And yeah, that's quite a good joke. It's yeah, but can you imagine? It's, it's I don't odd. Know. So that was a, that was a rewrite um, that they actually did with um, Julia Stiles. They right. wrote that scene together, and they don't like that. It's scene. It's beneath her, the character. Yeah, it's yeah. beneath them. It's the kind of thing that that seems funny and seems innocent, but if it actually happened at school, would be awful. He is in a position of power it's not it's all not good they, yeah, they also hate the way the scene is directed they felt the music was bad and it, it's played like sort of a slapstick caper yeah it's that's a thing. not what they were going for it's like we were talking about the, the belly scene where the father makes them wear the belly which is sort of a heightened reality kind of insane but works whereas this they've done the same thing they've gone take it to the next level take it to the next level but yeah. All the reasons you just said, it makes you go, it would never happen and takes you out of the movie. Yeah. So they go on a date. Um, what, do you, what do you guys think of this date? It, start, it, it, starts, it starts with a pedalo that doesn't move. <laughs> it's really funny. She like busts him out of detention. Really quick cut pedalo. It's like, mm. Where does that come from? Followed by paintballing without guns. Um, the writer said when yeah. they watched when they watched the rushes of that, they were very disappointed that their couple had to wear goggles. They weren't expecting that and thought that kind of made it slightly less sexy. Are they not Grove? Obviously mm-hmm. not. I just <laughs> it looks think... like a miserable date to me. He's like, do you want to come to Laser Quest? I think it's... Uh, uh, that's yeah. a great place. Thank it's you. not a good date. I would that is not that. a good date. What are you talking about? No, because I'd destroy, I'd destroy the girl. <laughs> <laughs> you would as well. You'd fully party. You'd ruin it. <laughs> headshot. Headshot. You're dead. Double tap. Hey, do you want to get a burger? Headshot. <laughs> <laughs> in Laser Quest. It's all on the chest because I know that because there was one in Leeds and you had the, just uh, 
it was fun in theory, but you'd get a lot of dicks who really wanted, who were probably in the TA, who turn up. <laughs> And like they'd wander around holding their arm no over, way, like blocking, the, uh, blocking sensor. the sensor and shooting all the kids just to get the highest score possible. It was ridiculous. Twice. It ruined it. Mm. But yeah, I don't. I, I had to look up. I couldn't find whether paintballing without guns is a thing. Weirdly enough, I don't know if it is. It's just I don't care about the paintballing. I just find the cutesiness actually a bit toe curling. But then it's all fine because then the kiss is great. But the actual date where they're like, got you, is like, Bleh. but fine. And it really worked because in real life they got together. and they? They, they, dated I for, didn't they, know died, that. they dated for quite a long time. I didn't know that. Mm, yeah. Um, the paintballing thing doesn't exist in real life. Okay. Because uh, cool. the Washington Tourist Board. I said before, I, I don't really care. The Tacoma Tourist Board. <laughs> let me finish. Okay. Uh, the Tacoma Tourist Board uh, said um, that uh, they, they created a list of all the date places that you could go. Mm-hmm. And the Gasworks is on there, but there is no paintballing. But that Gasworks is there. Great. So you can walk around and old gas works. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, great. Is there hay in which you can tumble? Yeah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> yes, there is. So Patrick insists that they go to prom and uh, Kat starts smelling a rat here and then he lies to her face. He says, there's nothing in it for me, just the pleasure of your company. It's really bad because if it wasn't Heath Ledger and as much as we love him, he is gaslighting her. Like He's gaslighting the shit out of her, and that's bad. Mm. But it's kind of fine. I don't know. Like It's just this weird, the weird alchemy of it's him. A, it's just, Well, you'd have to change the Shakespeare stuff, because that is very Shakespeare, that kind of thing. And yeah. maybe you should change. That's the stuff you should change. Yeah. Because it's weird to watch as a modern audience. But... um. And then there's other stuff going on. We've got the Bianca and Cameron relationship. She, he's tutoring her, which I found confusing here because she speaks French really well. Much so, better than him. So yeah. why is he tutoring her? Yeah. Because it's he's tutoring her because he's interested in her. So why is she being tutored by him if she's not interested in him and she knows French? Does it matter when he's tutoring her from a book that still has a hole in it from the scene about an hour earlier yeah, where good. Heath Ledger oh, yeah. drills it? <laughs> I was good. like, that's such attention to detail. And Bianca's nice now because she wasn't particularly nice at the start of the film. But I've, I've, I never really find her that likable. I don't know if that was the actor or the character. I, I, I think it's a tricky character, the Bianca character. Yeah, it's difficult because she is trying to be or is written as Cher Horowitz because mm. she's ditzy she's and she's superficial. Yep. But she just isn't, it, it isn't quite the same. And it's a shame because you just keep comparing them and she comes off worse because mm. of that. And what the hell is she wearing for prom? Well, I quite liked it actually. We're getting to that. Yeah. But before we've got this crazy revelation. Cat went out with Joey and they had sex. Yeah, they did. I did not see that coming. I thought that was a really well done twist. Yeah. Um, if it just feels really, yeah, sorry, I wasn't surprised because it just feels familiar. Yeah, well, there's a bit because... Someone the, the really act- early on says she used to be really popular yes, and then she right. stopped it. Mm. And I think it's a brilliant scene because... Cat is a feminist, but the blind spot in her feminism is like Bianca's lifestyle. So it's very pulse feminist. Like I should be able to do these things. And that whole argument about pulse feminism, basically you can wear short skirts and lipstick and blah, blah, blah. Um, But she had this blind spot for her sister and she corrects it because she's learning to be vulnerable because of fit as fuck Patrick. So it's all kind of coming together. Cool. All right. Got it. Get out. (laughs) Got it. Got it. And then we're into prom. So as you said, Alex, uh, Bianca's prom dress. It looks a bit like candy floss yeah, or something cool, of weird got, like, Barbie. A top. It's not a dress. It's, yeah. a, it's a top and a skirt. Fine. All right. Did you think, um, maybe I was a bit tired, but Cat's uh, prom dress, she looked to me like Jodie Foster in contact. Did you not think? Like she's got that weird sort of renaissance. I know it's because it's Shakespeare, but. Yeah. A bit. You mean when she turns up to that dinner, the drinks thing in contact when Matthew McConaughey's yes. there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Larissa Olenik, who plays Bianca, um, says of that dress, it looked beautiful in the sketch. It's nice. And she said that there were audible gasps in the audience uh, when she watched the film, when she appeared on st- uh, on screen in that dress. And she said they weren't good gasps. <laughs> oh, no, I, I really like it. But equally, equally, she said a lot of, you know, there were a lot of teens that year that did wear that outfit to the prom because there were a lot of teens she's, that thought it looked great. She's destru- deconstructed a prom dress and that is bold and I like it. Well, based on what you're wearing today, I can only uh, agree with your analysis because you, you look, it's a double thumbs up. <laughs> double thumbs up. Double thumbs How up. many stars? <laughs> I, I'm giving it a, a, a high four. Thanks. Mm. Uh, okay, five, five. <laughs> Jeez, that look, five then. I've not mentioned uh, the character Mandela before um, because she's weirdly sort of underwritten and it feels like her role was v- v- cut Oh, the and Shakespearean that's, one. That's accurate. So she she loved Shakespeare and, and this was the dark stuff in the original script. Um because she was Mandela's based on a character in Greek mythology who wanted to die to be with his favourite author. And so in the original script, she was starving herself, she was self-harming, and she wanted to die to join Shakespeare in heaven, which weirdly all got cut from this Disney film. Strange that, isn't it? Um, but yeah, here, so her, it's like an afterthought that, that her and, and Michael... Um, get together it works though it's quite sweet that they, no, they sure. find each other sure and he he part of the way he sort of gets into a good books is he gives her this beautiful Elizabethan era dress and then he appears to dress like Austin Powers yeah that's true <laughs> he's supposed to be Shakespeare but he does look more like Austin uh, and then the shit hitteth the fan <laughs> uh, because Kat overhears that Patrick was paid to take her around she is out of there. Yeah. Um, but there's still more action to be happen, happening at the prom. Joey punches Cameron and then Bianca punches Joey twice, then knees him in the balls. And I really like that, that she's her own hero here who rescues herself rather than... Yeah, it just, it's one of those moments we're talking about hiding things. It just didn't feel very realistic. Like, I don't think... I just, I've never punched anyone, but it, I'm, I believe it hurts. Really? <laughs> I really have. Wait. Have you ever, no, punched, yeah, no, ever punched anyone? Have I ever punched anyone? No, I haven't. Have you? But that's not you, I thought you had punched someone. Yeah, I have. Yeah, like wasn't in some pub brawl or something. It was a street brawl. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah awful, awful business. Like not funny. Um, a bit funny with hindsight. Um, what, and it hurt. What happened? Why did you punch someone? Because he punched me. Oh, that'll do it. <laughs> he punched you. Yeah. Bloody hell. Yeah, it was really bad. Oh. Did you know him or was he a stranger? No. <laughs> no. Were you talking too loudly? I, no, I wasn't. <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> what had you said? How did it begin? <laughs> I'm not telling you. All right, I'll tell is, you later. This is for the pub. It's this for the, the courts. For the courts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've written that wrong. My final section. We'll put it on Twitter. <laughs> um, right, final section. Can't buy me love. Can buy me love. Didn't need the tea. Are you st- actually deleting? You've just said it out loud. You're never going to go back to these notes. Why are you, you deleting know. the When we do the book, I'll need these notes and I'll, I don't want to write That's the wrong, wrong thing. wrong now, yeah. Uh, so Kat reads out her sonnet entitled 10 Things I Hate About You. Now, Kirsten, one of the screenwriters, she's apparently she's actually a published poet. So it's quite surprising how bad this poem is, I would say. No. What? Oh, it's terrible. I no. Uh, okay. Um, honestly, she's a teenager. I what? teared up during this speech. <laughs> It's a bad sonnet, but the delivery is good, is Amazing, what I would yeah. say. Um, Julia Stiles is crying when she's reading it. But don't you think she is very brave to not be mortified by what she has <laughs> felt? So she's just 
own in that embarrassment and, and the poem is really lovely and she obviously doesn't hate him and all the rest of it. But rather than being like, I cannot believe I fell for that and then the shame of that and I'm never going to acknowledge that this thing happened, she says it, she makes it public so she owns all of that. No, and I agree. I'm, I'm <clears> slagging <throat> off this poem but I wrote a lot of poetry back in the day and what? I'm sure it was a lot worse than Did this. Did you? Yeah, you used to write a lot. You used to write all kinds of things. And also, if you're watching this when you're at school, can you imagine doing this at school? Like if this happened, yeah, I, exactly, I wasn't exactly. at school when this came out but imagine if that had happened to you at yeah. school, there's no motherfucking way you'd stand up and be like, this happened to me and this is how I feel. Not Do you not think years. though, so he sacrificed himself on the altar of dignity earlier by singing in the stadium to win her back. And he was it, getting paid for it. He was getting paid for it. But here, during the uh, poem that she reads out, she does say that despite her finding out at the prom that he was being paid to be there and there'd been this ruse going on, mm. he has not attempted to contact her in any way yeah. in the intermediate uh, period of time between the prom and her reading that, which kind of feels like why is she making the effort yes. when he is the one who's done wrong and hasn't made any attempt to say sorry? I agree. Or is he not being disrespectful of her wishes? I really love that. I'm going to use that. Thank you, Chris. I'm being respectful <laughs> by not apologising. <laughs> she, she ends it by saying she hates the way she doesn't hate him. Um, and so to get back in her good books, Patrick buys her a guitar. <laughs> And if only it was that easy. <laughs> so you've tried I it. it I have work. a room full of guitars. <laughs> Just go pick one up. Pick your own. Go in there. Go in the room. So he buys her forgiveness. He buys her affection. Uh, is this a betrayal of her character, Vicky? No, no, because I think, is it clear when she's playing the guitar earlier that the, if the guitar was like, this is $300 and then it would be so clearly signified that he didn't take the money for himself, obviously, and bought her a present. Um, and just the way that they have, you know, the way that he explains it where she does say, you can't buy me a guitar every mm. time we fall out. And he's like, well, there's the bass and the drums. And like, it's just done so well that you're like, okay, yeah, fine. No, I agree. They, they, I think they write their way out of it. Yeah. Um, and then a band play a song on, on a roof. roof. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> weird. What are you talking about? That's fantastic. It's, it's Letters that. to Cleo with a band uh, yeah. doing a cover of Cheap Tricks, uh, I Want You to Want Me. I would have been cool if they got Cheap Trick. Um, Did you not? Who the hell? So I feel like... I knew music back then. Hmm. Who the hell are Letters for Cleo? Yeah, I did a lot of research on them. They had like one top 20 hit in America. Yeah, they weren't a big band. I'll tell you who I thought it was. Do you remember Scarlet? No. And I said it was an independent love song. Fucking brilliant. I thought it was them for a really long time. Did you not spend though, regardless of who Letters to Cleo were, I don't mind this cover of a great song. Um, Good song. Did you not spend the whole end sequence going, how the fuck did they get on that roof? And Because it looks terrifying. And I found an interview that the band did and they said it was absolutely petrifying. It was a windy day. The space on the roof was about the size of our kitchen. There was a bit of chicken wire draped around the side in case someone fell and could grab onto the chicken wire. <laughs> They said the helicopter, they weren't sure how close the helicopter was because they were concentrating on playing and it kept zo like dive bombing them to get the shots. And they'd been told by the director every time the helicopter takes off is $500,000, so don't fuck it up. Great. And uh, they said it was really, really scary. But they used a trap door on the roof to get out there because there were some ladders on the side of the roof. And I was like, I did the they idea. have to climb up Like trapdoor, and then they just went whoosh and they just slid down. I think it's a really cool shot. And I think it's a really good song. And it's a really upbeat end to a teen movie. And it, it feels so 1999. And I got, I got a little bit like, hmm, I wish it was 1999. And I quite like uh, a comedy ending with some outtakes. Sends you away with a good 
upbeat feeling. I mean, it's no Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're good. They're good. I mean, the interesting thing about those bloopers is something that I I, I noticed, which is that Bianca never gets hauled over the coals by her sister for her part in the ruse. Yeah. And clearly mm. that mm. blooper is when she's walking her sister down the corridor going, what were you trying to do to me? You were trying to put me in therapy for the rest of my life. So clearly they shot that scene. Mm. And obviously not that take, because that's the one with the director messing about <clears> in the background. But they'd written that in and they took it out. Mm. Should have kept it in. That, that, can, that can be your change. It is my change. Uh, before we get to the, we're not on the changes. Before yet. we get to the bits, though, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Andrew Keegan, please, aka Joey Don, a very good-looking lad. Mm, if that's your thing, um, played that character a few times, and then his career hasn't, you know, hit the heights of some of the other people. That's because Andrew Keegan started a cult. Sorry, a religion, a religion called Full Circle in Venice, which is a non-denominational, non-profit, community-based centre located in the heart of Venice, California, that offers spiritual and artistic environment within which people may develop their potential as reflective beings. He decided to set that up in 2011 when he was attacked in LA the same time a tsunami was hitting Japan. That that synchronicity was a sign mm. to Andrew Keegan. So he set up this community that would activate high vibes and channel extreme flow. Okay. And the last that was heard of them was in 2015. They got raided for selling illegal kombucha. Illegal kombucha? <laughs> what was illegal about it? Did it have drugs in it? Uh, you, you need you need you need a license to sell yeah. it. So kombucha is tea, isn't it? Yeah, no. but it has it has um, alcohol in it. Does uh, it enough alcohol that you need a license? Really? Yeah, it's not going to get you hammered. But I, well, that's why I don't know about it. And there's a lot of kombucha in LA, so right, okay. You know, you want to you want to know you're getting the good stuff, sure, premium stuff when you have your avocado toast and your kombucha. Okay. There's also like a weird wanking story as well, which I won't go into. But yeah, bit of a wrong. Open with the wanking story <laughs> next time. So let's do the bits. Uh, Vicky, best scene. Uh, Heath Ledger singing um, <laughs> and dancing down the steps. I mean, the thing is though, this is. It's more, like mawkish, but just I love the thought because even though it's not true that he, he's like kick stepping his way down these steps, he's doing a brilliant dance, and it's like that's so weird to see him mm. do the dance down wow. the steps. Hadn't thought of it's that. weird though, isn't it? A little bit. I yeah. like the idea, I like the thought that Joaquin Phoenix is like this is for you, even though that's not true, and also who cares? But I don't know. I just thought it was musical thing. number, Alex. <laughs> musical number. Uh, it well that or Julia Stiles reading the poem. Oh. All right, I've got the musical number. Okay. Because it is the best scene in the film. It's the one all of us remember. Yeah. It's just... It's... All right. All right, just give me a look next time. It's the musical number. Just edit I, in. I said it. Um, uh, Alex, uh, most Heath valuable Ledger. whatever. Heath Ledger, sorry. I thought we were going. Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger, definitely. He's just yep. incredible. He, you know, he makes what is a complicated role and at times an unlikable character, just like someone you want to spend the rest of your life with. Vicky? It has to be Julia Stiles. Mm. Yeah, for... Um, giving, just representing that person who doesn't very often get represented without a makeover where she's secretly this fit as fuck or without having to relax in some way or whatever. She just is herself. And there's a lot of girls like that. And yeah. they, we're not often on screen because we're difficult, um, etc. Yep, she's good. Um, I didn't know who the hell Letters for Cleo are, were, but they're all over this film. So power to them, but I'm not going for them. Mine, uh, MBW is lead casting director, Marsha Ross as she did a very good job and launched a bunch of very fine careers. I mean, they're not just serious actors, but movie stars as well. Yeah. Like quite a few of them managed to do both those things. So 
Good job, Marsha. And uh, Vicky, what would you change, if anything? So we didn't talk about it, but it's the same thing with Clueless. Like Clueless has the wedding bouquet scene, which needs hasn't aged well for me. Um, and this scene with Bianca and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And you know I'm a massive Joseph Gordon-Levitt fan, but this kind of F-B-I. ruins me. <laughs> Why does she find it so hard to I say? I do find that really difficult. I'm just going to call it. What's his character's name? Cameron. So, um, and I really love Cameron. Not as a character, no, I hate Cameron. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, I'm a big fan of, right? But this scene ruins him for me a bit and it's not his fault, obviously. But they're in the car and he's like, uh, I learned French for you and I did this and I did whatever. So you now you have to get off with me. <laughs> so she gives him a pity kiss and then he's like, yeah, back in the game or whatever he says. And that scene, it's, you know, we talk a lot about it was of its time and all the rest of it. It's uncomfortable. You, He's basically saying, I was nice to you, so now you have to get off with me. That's mm. never good. Never. In 1999, it wasn't good. But it's just nice now that we have more breathing space to be able to articulate how bad that is and that scene needs updating well Elton is called out for it in Clueless for acting in a similar fashion four years before but his but Joseph Gordon-Levitt's thing is I've been nice to you so I'm owed something so Mm. it plays into this idea that women withhold uh, intimacy and sex because it's transactional in nature and that's very very wrong and very bad so that needs to be sorted out I mean it's sometimes transactional in nature but that's different I mean that's a different thing Yeah, that's when it literally is a transaction Yeah, yeah. yeah He should have given her a guitar. Then, oh, then. see what he's done. See what he's done, Vicky. <laughs> Speechless. First time in two years that's happened on this podcast. Just give me a minute. Alex, what would you change? <laughs> You're right. I swear to God, if you fucking wink at me, I will hit you. <laughs> give, her, give her a double wink. Give her, give her two thumbs up. <laughs> two thumbs up. <sighs> Alex, what would you change? Uh, well, as you know, because I'm a bit rubbish at this, I've already gone. I really think the sister, Bianca, should uh, there should be a scene where Julia Stiles goes, what were you bloody thinking? Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, Vicky, I, uh, my change, i um, got a couple here, but I, I'm not a big fan of the platform flip-flop. Oh my god! <laughs> what, what, how do you feel? How do you feel about them? Thank I feel you. like we should get rid of them. Yeah, like they a, dated really fast, didn't they? Yeah, it's called a platform. Um, okay, oh, they yeah. are hideous. Yeah, that's all Cat seems to wear. They isn't are pretty it? bad. Yeah, it's worse than Joey's mandals. <laughs> um, this is a cliche, but I would like to have seen um, Larry Miller have the dad chat with Cameron. Um, oh yeah, that would because be it's nice, a cliche, yeah. but they pull out all the cliches, and it's just an opportunity, right? With comedic potential yeah. for him to speak to that lad but mine I think Patrick should be a bit more cruel I think he's too nice from the off okay um, just think it's all a bit too easy and simple in this film with with his character he's just there's, there never seems to be any I think there should be more danger coming from him or I suppose just, it's just a nightmare isn't it like you, you want to update The Taming of the Shrew but The Taming of the Shrew is a cruel play sure. to the yeah, woman yeah. so what you do is you give her you put you position her in a world our world where she has every right to be angry but then if you make Patrick also mean to her it's sort of too I just think you could make him a more complex character I guess that maybe he does behave yeah. in an awful way early on and you find out why that there's a bit more layers to him rather than yeah. he's just a really nice bloke yeah I mean, he's really nice um, right, we're nearly done, but um, Vicky, yeah, I have a hypothetical question for you. Okay. <laughs> prom, you're going to like this one, I think. I didn't go to prom just before you... Well, that's because you're not American. We don't have proms here. Okay. Uh, prom is coming up, but you don't have a date because you are a shrew. Yeah, that's actually what would have happened. Just, um, thank God we didn't have prom. Mm. Then both Paul Rudd and Heath Ledger <gasps> invite you. Who do you go with? 
Heath Ledger. Yeah. Oh, Heath Ledger. Without even no, Fine, no, no, no it's competition. Good, it's good. I, well, I thought it might be a bit closer, but that's fair enough. No, it's a good question, but my heart spoke. Who Alex, do you go with, Chris? Uh, 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 Paul Rudd. Really? Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah. I mean, he's I could too, see. I mean, he's if he's too clean cut with, compared to this sort of. We Jewish. have a we have a connection though. You and Paul Rudd. Yeah, have I not told you this? When when I interviewed him for the forty year old virgin. Uh, he was with uh, is it Leslie Mann mm-hmm. the actress so I sat down and uh, and he said oh I know you don't I and I said I said um, no you don't I'm not Max Payne <laughs> oh no, I had the hair and no beard back then okay sorry and, and he said no I'm sure I know you and I said you don't and, she, and Leslie Mann goes you've been weird Paul he goes have we ever met and I said well kind of he goes I've got it two years ago Austin, Texas, convention centre roof I was having a cigarette your friend was having a cigarette a woman asked me for a photo and I said, yes. And you took the photo. I said, yeah. He goes, I remember you, dude. I said, we didn't even speak. He goes, I remember you, dude. How are you doing? That's weird. That is weird. Really weird. I think he does want to go out with you. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, God, I can't wait to meet Chris again. So maybe that's why I'm saying Paul Rudd, because I think I've got a chance. You do. Uh, who would you pick? Rudd. Would you? Yeah, that would. surprises me. Yeah. I mean, guys like Rudd a lot. Do you? <laughs> yeah, Why? I think so. Yeah. Do you know what? He's I don't think. Yeah, I just, I'm like, anecdotally, I don't, he is like popular with the women I know, but not as popular as Heath Ledger. Not in a million years. He's just got great. I mean, I don't know. I, I met Heath Ledger once and it was odd. Um, so he was Paul too Rudd's sexy. Got, that's Paul, the thing. Paul Rudd's got this this personality. You want to hang out with him and talk to him. You'd be the, and us guys, you shag him. Us guys are about, no, but us guys are about personality, yeah. not looks all yeah, the time. Exactly. Bullshit. Sorry. <laughs> we are. Come on, Alex. It's, yeah, it's, it's I don't sad, know well, isn't it? I don't know where you're getting very your information. Very Victoria. disappointed. Very <laughs> disappointed in you, Vicky. Yeah. Uh, no, Paul Rudd would be much more fun. Okay. Right, that's it. Right then, that is the end of 10 Things I Hate About You. Right, it's the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! So, uh, these were your films, Victoria, so take us away, verdict time. Uh, Chris, you go first. I'm going to start with a quote from 10 Things director Gil Younger, who said about his film when discussing the locations, I did not want the movie compared to Clueless in any way because Clueless was done so brilliantly, so sorry about this, Gil. We're about to compare it <laughs> to Clueless. Um, and while I think 10 Things is a more complete movie, I didn't Joseph Gordon love it because it didn't make me laugh that much. Whereas Clueless is a truly great comedy that's funny from start to finish. So while I wish there were actual stakes at some point in the movie and they had an actual ending, I ultimately think it's the better film. So Clueless for me. Yeah. What about you? Uh I'm kind of surprised at my choice this week, uh, to be perfectly honest, going into them. Uh, it's not what I thought I was going to go with, uh, but then I couldn't remember either of these films. Uh, but one of these films is the absolute clear winner for me in every respect, uh, not just because of the two options we have here, but because it's a bloody good movie. Uh, I actually think uh, the cast, uh, brilliantly cast, it's very funny. Great soundtrack, which I realise gives you no hint as to which way I'm going, because that could be either movie. And <laughs> uh, my winner hands down, stomps the opposition this week. Ten things I hate about you. Whoa. Well, it, it. it has got one good scene. Vicky. <laughs> <laughs> we talk a lot, don't we, about um, when two things are so linked and one thing re- can only have been birthed because mm. of the other thing. There is no ten things I hate about you without Clueless. And as much as I love ten things I hate about you, you have to honour that. Um, Clueless is just a classic. I don't think I'll watch ten things I hate about you uh, as frequently as I will watch Clueless for the rest of my life. So it's clueless. Wrong, uh, but interesting. I don't know that. I don't. I'm not sure about your thinking, Victoria. Fuck off. We talk about this all the time. You're I like, oh, Creed and Rocky, really good example. 
You were you were pretending to be a bit torn. Pipe, pipe break and fossil fuels. Yep. Yes. No, I, I I disagree. Though, if if we're saying that a movie that is uh, clearly uh, contributed to the existence of another film yeah. is always going to win, oh, well, uh, I just all right then, fine. I do think clearly this is funnier. Okay. And it's better directed. Yeah, well, Sometimes fine. the direction in Ten Things I Hate About You is a bit nuts and the music is too much. It's a bit like bob, 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 bob. That's I, too much. Yeah, I think I think Ten Things is a good teen movie. I think yeah. Clueless is, is a truly great comedy. Yes. What he said. I laughed more in Ten Things I Hate About You. Film is subjective. What are you going to do? But the point is... <laughs> it's almost like that's the nature of this podcast yeah. that we <laughs> have different I'm opinions. Not, I don't babe, mind. I am not I trying to check. You have your choice. That's fine. I don't. Listen, and you have your choice oh, and I just want to be absolutely clear. So edgy. I just want to be absolutely clear. I think it's great that you've picked Clueless. My only problem was your working out being that because it came first. Okay. Which I don't think is a good reason. All right, fine. Well, then don't ever use that reason again in the future. And... (laughs) (laughs) And I just couldn't... Two wrongs don't make a right, Victoria. Okay. So I'm just saying... Let's 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 get rid of that as a rule. Let's, let's, sorry, let's make that a rule now. This has not turned out the way I thought. I'm just going <laughs> to. Can, can we snip all of that, please? Blondine, yeah. well, please cut no, all of that out. I think it's important that uh, our working out is illustrated verbally on this show. So, a couple of fun and frothy movies end us on a high this week. <laughs> I feel depressed now. Don't feel depressed, Chris. Tell us about next week, Alex. I'm going to tell you about next week, Chris. Right. Uh, so we are done this week. Next week, we have a very special guest coming on the show. Uh, broadcaster, DJ and television presenter Dave Berry is going to be here. Woo-hoo. He has picked two movies. Well, he's picked one movie mm. and we've picked the second movie uh, to put up against his choice. So I gave you a clue on Monday's episode, which was the original Odd Couple and Brian James. The movies we're going to be doing next week. Mr. Dave Berry has picked for us the original Odd Couple and Brian James, Tango and Cash, and I've added to that the original <laughs> Odd Couple, Arnold Schwarzenegger and James Belushi, Red Heat. I mean, literally not the original Odd Couple because the Odd Couple are the original Odd Couple, but it's all good. <laughs> I'm joking. But seriously, it's Red Heat versus Tango and Cash. We've gone from Jane Austen and William Shakespeare to Red Heat and Tango and Cash. And I love it. Yeah, that's good. I Joseph Gordon love it. A flipping great pairing next week. And I'm sure it'll be a much more upbeat end. Yeah, let's not argue in front of guests. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Right, we are finished. If you uh, haven't already subscribed to us, please do on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Uh, We are on Twitter at ClashPod and on Instagram at ClashPod. Thank you very much for listening. Congratulations to our winner this week, Clueless, and back on Monday talking hmm, Red Heat. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.